Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hey, welcome back to the Victor Mark Show. Hey, this is day two with some friends of mine, Gabriel and Lorraine Varela. Listen, if you didn't hear the broadcast yesterday, pretty cool stuff. Because uh, this couple, I actually contacted them regarding a book that they had wrote, which was only, I mean, as powerful as the book was, uh, Love in the Face of ISIS, it was when we were right in the middle of ISIS. And... It was very hard to get people to understand what we were doing, both with why are you carrying a gun doing missions work? And the only thing I could say was, I don't want to get shot. But everything we were doing was based on love. Or why would we even be there? Love to help those who've been hurt by ISIS and bring relief to those traumatized, of which to date it's over 43,000 right now that we've been able to help. And you guys just literally two weeks ago, we were part of an operation that helped get nine women who were held captive still out of Syria and their 12 children because they were they were brides of ISIS who were sex slaves, had these children, and nobody wanted them, and they were keeping the kids in, in a very, very bad place. And, and you know what? New York Times actually did a story on it. Uh, we were the quiet folks in it because uh, at that point in – what we're doing is we still have them in our care. Uh, so we appreciate prayer for those of you watching. And we're not done. We're we're not done in that work. But thank you all for coming back on the program today. Thank you. Thank you, Victor. Yeah. So I want to I want to start with I want us to get closer back to the U.S. And Gabriel, you are from Mexico City, but you, you made it big time. You end up working for Microsoft. Then you went in the ministry. You guys uh, have had influence in Hollywood. And we're going to talk about, you know, the wickedness of Hollywood. Uh, <laughs> but first, let me ask you, as a Christian, as a former business executive and man of ministry now, the border. First question, do you think America should have a border? Look at that. This wasn't in the script. Well, I think that there should be a border, but the border needs to be controlled. There needs to be some order. God is a God of order, and there should be parameters as to who enters, who goes out. Not in a hostile way, I think. Um, we need trade. We need back and forth. There needs to be civilized. There needs to be in, in, in the way that it benefits both sides. Coming from another country... There's always this, like, I want to I wanna cross. I want to go over there. They're not letting me. And then on the other side, it's like, you guys can't come in. You guys need to stay on your side. And so I believe that policies are important to create an orderly back and forth trade of people coming and going because it benefits both. Of course, Mexico is a third world country. Nevertheless, they're attached to one of the most powerful countries in the world. 
And there needs to be order. It cannot be reckless because if it's reckless, then we need then we need to start dealing with recklessness on both sides. Right. So I think I think that's important. I think that's well said as a believer, as uh, as an American who are you a U.S. citizen now? I am a U.S. citizen citizen now. And yes. did you do it the legal way, or is she hiding you? Is that yeah. are we gonna? <laughs> well, you know, I did I did everything by the book, you know, and no, which I would say that's how it needs to be done, you know, yeah. even in emergency situations for asylum, because as a Christian, I believe we should help all that need. And uh, sneaking Mexico, my daughter married a Mexican. I don't know if y'all know that. So now we have little baby burritos. It is the <laughs> funnest. So I'm connected to the family. I, they yes. actually, they're, they're in San Diego and they're like, Hey, you know, they're like, welcome to our family. And yeah. you know, in my Americanness, I was like, well, welcome to our family, you know? And then they told me how much family they had. I was yeah. like, Oh, y'all are 400 strong and you meet every year. Wow. I was wow. like, okay, please let me into the family. <laughs> I'm from a trailer park in Louisiana. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, I just believe as a Christian, like, we have to have good policies. It has to be stopped being so political mm -hmm. and has to be practical, civil. Uh, but what's going on right now at the border? And people need to realize, because everybody's going, oh, the Mexicans are crossing over. Like, that's kind of old 80s, 90s kind of mentality. Right. It, you guys, it's South America. <laughs> it's it's people from all around the world crossing. Mm -hmm. uh, Mexico is having a hard time keeping people out of their southern borders getting in. It's it affects them. Wow. And uh, there was one entry point, and I know this for sure because of who we are and what we do in our intelligence aspect. Twenty five percent of the people entering in one section were from the Middle East. Wow. Mm, wow. And uh, I remember asking people in Iraq uh, when President Trump was in office and the border was a big deal and and everybody was you know hating it i just said hey do y'all think america should have you know a tight border that controls uh you know people coming in and out the flow to know who they are the, the regular way and every one of them said yes mm -hmm. they said if you have an open border look what happened to our country isis flooded in there was no stopping we've lost you know, thousands of people murdered. And I thought, okay, that, that makes sense. So I am for bringing in those in need. And we always have. America's never stopped. But I appreciate those who've done the hard thing to get in the right way. And uh, because, you know, we don't want, I'll tell you right now, the work ethic, the sincerity, the character of most Mexican people is beautiful beautiful and uh so i'm all for it so right now there is a crisis with the number of children suffering and we're actually getting ready to go maybe y'all can go with us and we're yeah. going to hand out lion and lambs because uh, we have lots of connections within uh the border border patrol agency but kids suffering that's mm -hmm. sad period i don't care where they're from and people can say uh, th there are extreme people on all sides, right? Right. Left side, conservative side, you know, and look, kids pay the price mm -hmm. 
for the most evil done in the world. Yeah. I'm from a firm believer. And they have no choice. So we should always be willing to help kids, no matter what the cost. Yeah. Uh, children and, you know, widows. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. But any thoughts about the kids, the influx of kids right now? Well, I think that um, families in general are attracted to countries like ours because there's prosperity. I mean, we have our problems, but they want what they see. And mm -hmm. if you live if you live in Mexico, for example, Mexico imitates a lot of what the United States does. So uh, it looks like life over there is good. Oh, there's Disneyland. Oh, wow, there's Orlando. There's like you know, this array of things that, you know, I want some of that. And the parents start with that, but the kids are always motivated by what they see. And they right. see the pictures of good things, of fun things, and they want to do that. Nevertheless, they are the most neglected part of the family because, well, well, parents wants to cross and they want to pay the money, whoever's going to cross them over the border, over the river, whatever, they're just like dragging their kids and the kids have no say the kids have no care they're just being dragged and so i think that there should be special attention to the families at those levels you know if you have an influx of people coming in at such a rate then the country that is going to be receiving them has no programs already for the kids no programs for the adult it's a lack of programs that you're not even letting the country per se prepare so you can receive those families in order. Right. So you can take care of the kids. Well, and I would also right. say too, you know, provided that they are coming in an intact family unit, we don't know if these children are being trafficked or not. And yeah. I remember seeing the infrared pictures of children being dropped on their heads off the wall just to come to the other side. And it's like, this is not right. This is an injustice and this has to be stopped. And, and I'm so grateful that you have that heart and mechanisms in place to go in and reach those children that are being trafficked and being taken away from families. Anyway, um, you had said something earlier, Victor, maybe you should come. You got to be careful saying that to me because I'm going to be booking my ticket before you're even ready. I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. I know you guys. I yeah. love it. And we trust and and thank God for y'all. You know, it's uh we were uh Christmas before last, we were in, in Mexico on the other side of El Paso going to multiple places uh to see children who were you know on that side and suffering, kids suffering. Mm -hmm. And we actually dressed up like uh, Santa Claus and his wife, and we handed out hundreds and hundreds of lion and lambs. It was very fun. Uh, that have the music to heal, calm their hearts, lower their trauma, and prayers, right? Mm -hmm. So, I just my thought would be I think it'd be wise if you know, organizations set up on the Mexican side of the border to help to bring relief, to educate, to you know and let people know here's the reality so uh again i wish it wasn't such a political issue i wish it was just a wise humanitarian issue and um there is great hypocrisy on the democratic side i will say that because it's true i've seen democrats with such hypocrisy who are screaming at trump for not taking care of the kids i went down there i went down there and saw and it wasn't what they said now, 
it's undeniable. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of kids suffering and they won't say a thing. I just thought, I just, I don't like people who lie. I don't like people who promote their own agenda. And I don't care if it's Republican, Mm -hmm. liberal, democratic, neutral. I don't care. I trust people of integrity and character who will do what they say and say what they do. Uh, Even if I disagree with them, I'm okay with disagreeing with people, but are are they out to help folks? Um, And again, you know, God's a, God's a miracle God and he can do and redeem even what's happening right now. So speaking of miracle God, let's transition. Yes. Tell us y'all's miracle story. My brother, you were a man who was diagnosed with cancer. I think it was bladder. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Tell it, tell us. They discovered bladder cancer, a a large tumor in my bladder four months after Lorraine and I had married Wow! and uh, was having some discomfort. And I went in and they said, Mr. Varela, you have a tumor the size of a golf ball in your bladder. The bladder's not very big to start with. No, no. And I said, well, we'll go in and see, take a little biopsy, see what's going on. That happened. And uh, well, the doctor says, well, you do have cancer. Just flat out, he didn't sugarcoat or anything. And I left the office with that, I was by myself with that. Mm -hmm. And I sat on my car and I said, cancer, Lord, how are we gonna deal with this cancer thing? And um, I was in treatments in and out with um, chemo, all kinds of treatments and all kinds of scoping and stuff for 20 years. Wow. 20 years and uh, going by, working, doing things, tumors coming back, taking them out, chemotherapy for a while, stuff like that. And it became kind of like a, a routine. It became kind of like part of life, you know, because you get used to even at that level. And uh, I said, I, I am not going to abandon my God just because I'm you know, there's no healing because this is like a perpetual circle of cancer that is coming all the time, all the time. And so um, it was 20 years before before the Lord touched me in a miraculous way. And I'll let Lorraine, uh, from her perspective, say what she saw because she also played a, a huge part of the healing process that was happening. I'd say for the first 17 or 18 years of Gabriel's cancer, we didn't have a a good understanding of God's heart for healing. We just prayed that, you know, his cancer would be removed, but we didn't understand God's heart for healing. And when we got a hold of his heart, that he is a good father, he didn't give Gabriel cancer. He wants healing for him. It changed everything in terms of our perspective and our prayer life. We ended up going on this uh, time of just really interceding for Gabriel. I have to say that when he got that last diagnosis, I went with him to the doctor's office. It was the first time in years that I had gone. And I don't even remember why I accompanied him. But when the doctor left the office, he had Gabriel's chart open. And because I have a medical background, I was able to read upside down the letters in big, bold, red CA and cancer. It's like for all these years, I knew he had cancer, but it just kind of, like Gabriel said, it became so routine that you just kind of forget about it. And it just kind of struck me. It's like, wait a minute, he has cancer. Why are we not paying more attention to this? Why are we not like hitting this with our prayers? 
So we went home and ended up, we invited our church to pray for healing my family. And there was, uh, there was prayers, there was fasting and people actually, this one woman came up to us one day at church and she says, while we were praying, I saw this pink organ, like just totally healthy. And she saw a vision of a bladder. She didn't had never seen a bladder before, but she saw a healthy bladder. And so he was going into his surgery. Um, and I just thought, okay, so this is the confirmation. Gabriel's going to have healing. So when Gabriel went in for his surgery, it was late at night. It was eight o'clock at night. He was the last one on the docket and everybody had left. I'm the only one in the waiting room waiting for my loved one to get news. And the doctor forgot about me. You know, he did Gabriel surgery and he's like ready to go home. I was like, oh, I forgot to talk to the wife. So he comes back and he finds me and he says, yeah, I just... Um, I'm glad that I, I have you still here. I needed to tell you, I've never seen anything like this in all my years of being a doctor. And I'm like, great, you know, like healing. He goes, I've never seen cancer spread so quickly in all my life. And because the cancer spread so fast, we're going to have to be very aggressive in our treatment. I'm going to send him home, but we're going to put him on this, this drug. It's going to wreck his bladder to the point where we're not going to, I'm not going to be able to even tell what tissue is healthy and which tissue is cancerous because it's like putting a bleach into the bladder over and over and over and over until it's just decimated. And then I'm going to go in and do the next surgery for him. And I saw that, you know, Gabriel was going in every week and he was getting weaker and weaker. His body was reacting as to this cumulative effect he was getting. You know, it's just like you have this a terrible sickness. He's almost now not able to go into work anymore because he has no strength. And so I know that this this stuff is working and doing what it's supposed to do. And so I did go in after those bombarding treatments and I went to the office and I remember uh, coming in. And uh, he brings my chart and he sits me on this very cold platform there. They usually go to a doctor and it's all cold and you're in this little robe and stuff like that. It's usually metal or plastic. And I noticed as he's getting ready to, to go in to my bladder, I noticed that I have this, this heat sensation on my back that is on my back, like heat. And I'm going like, wow. It is nice that you turn the heater on, on the table. And he looks at me and goes like, what are you talking about? I said, you know, connect. I says, there's no heater. I'm going, okay. But I still have this heat on my spine. And says, okay, let's go in. Let's go. Let's go see what's going on. And so he goes in and he, he I known him for 20 years. So he's very fast. He's like in and out. Yeah, this was what I saw. And so this is the next treatment. Goodbye. See you later. This time he's in and he's kind of waiting. He's going like under his breath, talking to himself. He says, where's everything? He said that, where is everything? And he's looking oh. around and I'm going like, what's going on? And he says, where's everything? And he brings a scope out and he says to me, if I didn't know you for 20 years, I would ask you, what are you doing sitting in front of me? <laughs> Your bladder wow. looks like the bladder of a teenager. I'm going wow. like, well, praise God. He didn't know what wow. to do with that, but uh, it was like, great. He says, okay, come back in you know, a week or two, and we'll do another scope and see how things are progressing and stuff like that, you know, very clinically. And, and so I remember leaving the office, and, and Lorraine picked me up, and she said, well, I, I told her, there's nothing in there. It's all good. And so we'll re we're rejoicing and stuff like that. And so 
here comes another week, week and a half later for the next appointment. And he goes back in and he comes out and he says, it's even better than last time. Oh my goodness. So I said, yeah, just do uh, whatever you need to do in the office and stuff like that. And, and so I did. And so I am claiming this healing. I am claiming and I am just rejoicing over this. I mean, this is unheard of. And then they called me from the office as well. You know, there's going to be a follow-up treatment for a year or two, you know, and we want you to have the, this medication and these cystoscopy every so often. And I'm going, okay, okay, well, I'll make my appointments, whatever. And then Lorraine, as time went by, she, she says, I, I said, I'm going to go to the doctor. And he says, why are you going to the doctor? Do you think that God really healed you? Wow. I said, I said, yes. So why are you making these appointments? And I kind of stopped and said, she's right. If I'm claiming healing, what am I doing? So I called the office and said, I'm canceling everything. And the the nurse says, well, okay, but you know, this is not the best thing. And the doctor that has never called me in 20 years, I get a ring from the doctor. And he says, Mr. Varela, I heard that you're not going to be doing the follow-up stuff like that. He says, have you been reading online too many stuff? I said, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm, no, I'm healed. God has mm. healed me and I'm going to just cancel everything. He says, well, it's your body. You know, there's nothing we can do about that. And he hung up the phone. Wow. And 10 years later, 10 or 12 years later, I were walking through the mall and I see the doctor sitting right no. there. Oh, wife. Of course she And did. I say, doctor, how are you? How's it going? He looks at me almost in disbelief. You know, it's like, yeah, we're doing okay. It's like great. But he was visibly surprised to see yeah. me, yeah. you know? And um, it's been 17 years since I haven't had anything, anything with my bladder. I love it. You know, um, my mother was healed from cancer. Amen. Huge struggles. And uh, her last treatment, she just said, I'm not doing it. The Lord told me he's going to heal me. Done. And she, and she's been cancer free for many years. Wow. Awesome. And then, you know, for me, uh, I was diagnosed bipolar to ultra rapid cycler, mm-hmm. uh, manic depressive. And I struggled for years, years with it. Uh, suicidal, the mm-hmm. loss of touch of reality. It was a pretty extreme case. And all those doctor's appointments, all the medication, everything they had me on, my daughter prayed for me one day at school mm-hmm. that her dad wouldn't have to take medicine anymore. Mm-hmm. And I felt him touch me. And I remember drawers of empty med bottles. Huh all the medication and the Lord said, I've healed you, but now you have to renew your mind. Mm. And I did eight hours a day. I would listen to the word of God and I wouldn't even listen to Christian music. It just, I needed the word. And when people receive healing, the enemy will come at you. He'll challenge it. Cause I remember having a panic attack after that which anybody who knows anxiety and panic, it was a full-blown panic attack. And I remember grabbing onto a piece of furniture. This is when we lived in Hawaii, hanging on. It was late at night. No one was there. 
And I could hear the whispers of the enemy and said, he just goes, it's back. You're not healed. And it was exactly what the psychiatrist told me when I told him, I said, I'm healed. I'm not coming back and I'm not taking any more meds. He goes, it's in remission. It will come back. And for years I had to fight the truth and believe the truth, even over my circumstances, right? Because my mind wouldn't be feeling well or whatever. And the Lord would say, do you believe me? Or are you going to believe that doctor? I said, I'm, I'm going with you, God. You are God. So those of you listening who are struggling, God does heal. Yes. I don't think we can tell anybody why he doesn't heal, except that he's sovereign. And I want to pray like he's going to heal me, and I want to believe it and trust him with the results and know that he's a good and he's a loving father. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.